Hello and welcome to Paddock Chat, a West Midlands group podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. Each episode, we delve into topics on the farming horizon and help you in the search for the answers needed to confidently navigate the future ahead. So let's dive into today's episode. In this episode, we sat down with Vitor Pistoia, Farm Inputs Analyst for Rabobank, to dive into the current and future land market in Australia. Vitor provides insights into how land values are tracking across the country, the reasons behind the current trends, and more focally, what position the West Midlands region is in. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on the information provided in this podcast. This podcast was recorded in May of 2023. Thank you so much, Vitor, for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, Erin. Well, I will dive straight into things. It looks like you've got a lot of knowledge on this topic. So my first question is, what brought you to your current position? Well, I'm not Australian, as you can tell by my accent, but what brought here is was like family business. So uh, my partner got the invitation to do some research here in the hospital. I came with her and I tried to find my place in the farm sector. That is my background. And I got this position at Rabobank on the research team last year. I work with farm inputs, land values. I have a good experience in the business. I, I was in the barley procurement team of a big brewery back in Brazil, working in Uruguay as well. Uh, I was international student here in Australia many years ago. So it, it wasn't my first round here in the country. So I think that's why I came back. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. So um, what did you actually study when you were here? Uh, I did agricultural science and I did one year at UWA, two terms, like eight units, like just international student, went back to Brazil, finished my course there. Oh, lovely, lovely. Interesting how things go. So what, sorry, what were you doing before you moved over then? Yeah, so after I finished uni, I worked five years for a big brewery, uh, sourcing barley, engagement with uh, clients and also providing uh, like agronomy advisory, like how to do the crops and so on. I had the whole show of buying the barley back, supplying the houses, a lot of interaction with the industry. So it, it was a good position. It was my first job and gave me the full scope of the supply chains around farming, around barley and beer. But the same concepts uh, are very useful for other industries. Well, I'll jump into the first part of question. How are land values tracking across the country and maybe a little bit more in WA? Yes. Okay. So that's a question that everyone is is looking for to have the answer because of all the the news that are around in several newspapers and relatives and friends just talking about how things are hot in the market and they are actually very hot in the market. How they are tracking? That's the, that's the first question. Well, they are tracking on very positive numbers uh, year over year. So whenever you compare the last two three years to before, they have gone up. So if you look in the bigger picture, in the last three to four years, since 2020, the land prices in the country, they increased 84% in average. So all states, all sorts of enterprises, like I'm not talking about Western Australia, South Australia, dairy or cotton, everything combined in the same basket. Uh, of course, there are some difference uh, state to state, like uh, Tasmania and Victoria are the ones with the highest increase, 100% or even more for Tasmania. Queensland is the one behind let's put this way i mentioned victoria 100 percent and 
Queensland with uh, almost 60%, 57, 58% of increase in the last three, four years. So this is how the market is tracking the big, bigger picture. Uh, Western Australia, it's also following the same trend. It's not the, the big dog as Tasmania or Victoria, but has a, a very solid growth of over 61% in the last four years. Last year, year over year, 22 on top of 23. Western Australia grew 22% on average. Very solid growth. What are some of the reasons behind this trend then? Okay, so just a, a quick disclaimer, like I'm talking in the broad sense, as I said, all states, all enterprises, everything combined. So can be some problems like some farmers faced problems with the floods last year and this year. We know that. But in the bigger picture, the reasons behind and the first one, production. So climate on average has been favoring Australia in the last three to four years. So production is good. The yields are very solid for wheat, for barley, canola, like livestock. There were some massive uh, rains in the territory in the North Queensland. So even the livestock guys there have plenty of feed around. So that's the first reason. The second reason uh, are the commodities or the output prices. So Yes, fertilizer price went to the roof, agrochemicals, diesel, wages are going up, but the commodity prices are very good as well. So the balance, the margin in the end, what is left on the table, the net is quite good. So that is boosting and supporting this appetite, this desire for land. And that's why the price is increased. It's basically supply and demand, but on a very, very long supply chain. And farmers are stockpiling, let's say, money equity or asset from more than one season to create this situation of 20-something percent in some states. I know you said commodities are high, but then outputs are also high. Do you think it increases risk for farmers, though? And does that do you kind of take any of that into account with this modelling? Yes, it increases risk because when everything is going up, you have to redo your whole calculations to assess how you are, like your new SWOT, strength, weakness, opportunity, and threats. You have to do everything again, right? I was trying to imagine how it would be the situation here in the country if we had a drought instead of good weather. Like, that would be terrible. I wouldn't be here speaking of land price growth. I would be here speaking of uh, land price uh, haven't moved in the last three, four years, maybe. Who knows what would happen, right? This is not an exercise of how, can, how things would be, but it's important to have in mind. So, yes. The risk also is higher. This risk on a global scale, not only here in the country, on a global scale, that is the reason behind why farmers are applying less inputs, generally speaking, because now there was some cut in the commodity prices and livestock and dairy and so on. So farmers are like, "Um, maybe I should go slower because I don't know the new net. I don't know the new balance point. So I will go slower and see and there is this feedback and trade-off in the supply chains, yes. So risk is a big thing and everything changed. Since COVID and the, and the Black Sea War, everything changed. So we have to restudy and redo our analysis. I was reading your report and it does seem like there's a lot of factors that go into that sort of, those sort of calculations looking forward. It's easier talking about how, how and why things happened this year rather than, or in 2022, rather than trying to predict through, you know, one to five years in the future is hard, especially because agriculture is so reliant on on the climate and we can kind of have a decent estimate of how that's going to go, but we really don't know until 
until we're in it and it can change things so much yes it can and that's a beauty of the business like uh, you can have the the best plan ever and you go to bed and think oh, yeah tomorrow everything's going to be 100% right because i study i spoke with 10 different people and then there is no cloud in the sky or there are too much clouds in the sky and your whole plan goes to the rubbish bin it'd be hard being a farmer that's all i can say so as i said before western australia is tracking the the national average of land price but there are some some things only specifically that i would like to highlight here so one thing that we have seen in the recent years is that the northern wheat belt like let's say Geraldton and around Geraldton the land price is going up a little bit faster or stronger than the other regions so that is something that i would like to call attention to everyone and the other thing that is also important to to highlight is that the regions with a little bit of different conditions like Bunbury, Albany and Esperance that can have a more steady supply of, of rainfall that have some lands that are pretty high in value. They are keeping this lead. So this is also important that the ratio of land price of the top three, it's, it's holding steady. That's also important. So it's not in that the farming structure is about to change. It's just like moving and following this movement of mm, I have built equity i have built cash flow so now i can expand my farm expand my program this is something that's happening and also because of competition for plots this is something that is also kicking in as a feedback so it's about size but it's more about proportion so two or three thousand hectare farm can go harder for a small plot let's say a 50 hectare plot so they can invest a little bit more and push land price up it's a a ratio thing of how hard can I go for a smaller plot and how can I fit this new plot in my program of cropping, of livestock, but also in my program of cash flow. This is something also important to, to highlight. One thing is acquiring or leasing a new plot. And the second thing is to run that plot. You have to put that inside your own operation and make everything happen. Do you think people don't plan well enough? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just raising the flag that, yes, everything is going up. Happy days for those that have, not so happy for those that want to enter in the industry. But you have to do some analysis of how you are going to run the business. One of the reasons that sustain this land growth is the very low cash rate in the past. And now the cash rate is not as low as it was. So this is something new that should be incorporated in the balance sheets. Now the official cash rate is, let's say, 385 and it's very likely that we'll move beyond four and three years ago it was 0.1 so that's what i said getting a plot in the past and running it now it's different yeah definitely you made me think about how i was looking at that report you sent through and i think was it saying lands that got between kind of 400 and 600 mil of rainfall was leading the yeah uh, we labeled it as a sweet spot yeah because this rainfall cluster or these boundaries of rainfall are the ones that are more suitable to cropping. And these are the ones that are really pushing the needle of land price. This kind of uh, of mindset is also behind that. Ah, okay. Yeah, right. Because I think Dan Darigan's within that, that yes, rainfall. Yeah, yeah, yes, and that's <laughs> something that I point out in the report. Rainfall, yes, very important. A lot of discussions, yes, no question. But it's not the answer for everything. Mm. It's it's like 50, 60, or maybe 70% of the answer. The other 30, 40% is your soil type. It's very, very, very important. 
And that is what we see in some regions, especially in Western Australia. It's a good example to show how variable the soil can be in two, three kilometers distance from one farm to another or even in the same farm. This is something very important when we talk about land price and how to do farming. And that, that's why we see such a variation in land price or in farm price and plot price and because of the composition of rainfall for the region with soil type. But soil type, it's really hard to do a map because the scale of the soil, it's a mix. Yeah, no, I understand that those things are hard to keep track of. I kind of dived in on the next question, didn't I? So on a very focal level, what is the position of the Dandaragon region in the current land market? Yeah, so this is going on to, to my previous answer about the interaction with soil and, and rainfall. So that's what we see. For the good cropping grounds, uh, let's put some figures, right? And uh, this is what happened last year. So I have not checked the numbers like for February, March and April. So it can be a little bit different. So let's talk about until December of last year. The good soils on the region, the ones that can give you four and five tons of wheat, barley, and so on, more than two tons of canola, they were being traded by ten to $12,000 a hectare. That's a straightforward message that I'm the buyer, the bidder. I'm willing to pay what this land is capable of generating to me. If it does generate more, I will pay more. On the other hand, we have some weak, sandy soils that doesn't matter how much rainfall you're going to get, you're going to achieve one and a half, two tons of wheat on a good year and maybe a disaster on a bad year. So for those type of soils and plots, people pay 2,000, 2,000 and a half per hectare. So this is, this is the balance that we see of the interaction between the soil and the rainfall. You are on a very, let's say, focal region, not a big region. I'm not talking about uh, comparing Albany to Geraton. I'm just talking about one region north of Perth. We can see that. So it's a clear interaction. You talk very much in a cropping sense. We have a lot of mixed farmers in the region. Can you kind of touch on, on that a little bit more? Yes. So, of course, there is this, this option or this difference between cropping and livestock. The question of labor, of machinery and what we can do and how much time you have to work during summer. That's not something that people are always looking for. And we see that in the land price. So there is a big difference. But this is important one to reduce risk, as we spoke earlier in the podcast, because when you have animals, well, things can go pretty bad, but you still have the animal. You can still produce some kilos or sell some wool and so on. So it's an option to reduce the risk. But then, and this is something that we are facing on the national scale as well, the problem with uh, with labor and with wages. Just to give an example of how things might follow in the near future. Some weeks ago, I was traveling to our, the Air Peninsula in South Australia, and some farmers told me, I am a mixed farmer. I have my sheep, I have my cropping and so on, but I'm going to change my rotation. Instead of running sheep, I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to increase my postage production. I'm going to, especially in South Australia, they are pretty strong with lentils. So I will still be able to do my crop rotation, kill my weeds, put some nitrogen in the soil, and I will be able let's say, to go fishing during summer. So, <laughs> this is something that is coming more frequent and more often uh, whenever, wherever, wherever we go and speak with clients because this is how the market is tracking and we might see that. So who knows how the, the posters will, will track in, in Western Australia or in the Nangara region. 
with this option. Like, are the farmers going to do that? Let's see and let's do some some analysis. You bring up a good point, though. We have had quite a few mixed farmers go 100% cropping just because of that. Really, it's just, yeah, being able to go away and not having as much tying you to your farm all year. Yes, and this is business. Like, farming is a business and people have to make options and there is a balance between profit, between risk, between labor. And it's something we cannot run. We just have to face and develop new strategies to, to adapt and be able to feed ourselves and to sell because that's also important we have to always remember that australia is a exporting country so we need to produce something that we can sell overseas and so looking forward what what can we expect yeah so that was my comment in the beginning the about tomorrow so people usually tell me mm, interesting you know, good storytelling but what about tomorrow what can i expect for tomorrow and as i said the reasons behind why the land price went up are the same reasons why the land price will hold. Land price will not go down, will not reverse, will not go back. So what we are seeing and what we are forecasting is that the land market will cool off. This year will show up very substantial growth, but very smaller compared to the last two, two years. And for 2024 and 2025, we are forecasting a much smaller growth around two, three, five percent, because one, commodity prices are not high as they were last year. Canola, wheat, cattle, milk, so on. First reason. Second reason, let's talk about probability. It's very unlikely that we would go a fourth La Nina. And now it's quite clear that instead of La Nina, that's good for us. It's more probable that we will face the opposite, El Nino. And that's uh, all these discussions of uh, who has the best forecast, we here with the bone or Noah in the United States. But anyway, the consensus is clear that we will reach El Nino somewhere this year. We are going to face that. So production is very likely will not be higher as the last two, three years. So when you put everything combined, smaller prices, very likely less production and higher cash rate, as I said as well. So. Mm, I'm going to ask some bank to finance me. Mm, now the cash rate they're going to charge me maybe is not as good as it was. So I cannot manage that. Some people can, some people cannot, or some people are not willing to. Maybe the numbers tell you, ah, yes, I can do it. But that trade-off of risk and benefit uh, is not as big as people think it's necessary to expand. So these are the reasons why we are forecasting a smaller growth. So to give a number, this year on the national level as to keep in the same perspective so last year we had 33 percent on a national scale this year we are forecasting a number between 10 and 15 on a national scale and then doing the same uh, proportion of growth to the states of the country so yes western australia land price will grow but will not grow as much as last year and uh, again everything can change we can have a new black swan event as covid as the black sea who knows? But we have to work with uh, with something. Otherwise, I will keep speaking, speaking as I am for the last four or five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Now, is there anything else we should cover? One important point is the one I mentioned about uh, changing from livestock to other options of cropping because of labor. I was reading some some reports of like the emotional stress of lockdowns and the impact on people so i think that's that's something a lot of people are considering as well like let's put this way uh 
we did a lot of money, we did well, but there was a lot of effort around that, a lot of moments thinking, are things going to be okay? Are things going to be right? Let's use South Australia ex- example. This change from livestock to, to posters is something that will increase because of, of labor and how people live, how they face life. We have a lot of questions with AI. The farming sector is well used to technology, like the tractors, GPS, uh, weed seekers, and so on, like uh, technology. It's, it's really fine for farming. I don't see AI as a threat to us because we need tools that can help us with labor. Is AI going to help us? Who knows? There are some very smart engineers trying to develop stuff. We have much more to do with uh, with machinery and, of course, reducing the cost of very fancy machines. Also, uh, let's say a third thing, it's about people as well. We are living times of great volatility in the markets, in politics and so on. And I don't see they having major shifts in the near future. So I think we should be familiar with, let's say, be familiar with some news or some decisions that kind of can kind of get us frightened but well we have seen lockdowns we have seen wars we have seen caps in energy price so i have a a personal thing i have a much younger sister than than me and i talk to her like the world's not falling falling apart it's just trying to adjust itself and we have to live with it that's a great way of putting it i like that yeah it does seem like a lot's happened the last few years and things always seem to adjust themselves and work out yeah just like Keep studying, keep talking with people, doing your calculation, trying to do your job as good as you can and move forward. Like we don't have another option. <laughs> That's life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point as well. That was really good. Thank you. Sorry, my last question. What keeps you interested in agriculture? Well, I decided to do agricultural science and work with uh, farming because in the first moment, my desire that is still alive is to work with nature and farming is the, I think it's the greatest interaction of mankind, human beings can have with nature. And when I started my course, my degree back in Brazil, I learned that farming, it's a big business. And this connection of the biological world, biological environment with business, I just got hooked and I cannot let it go. So uh, I just keep studying, like, ah, what's the interaction of El Nino with farming, how that can affect profits, how they will feed back the wages in Queensland for the, I don't know, the pineapple farms. I like these big connections of life, and that is what keeps me awake at night studying. You sound very passionate. It's nice to uh, hear. Yeah, I, I, I am. I am. Sometimes I think I question myself, am I crazy to, to to read so much random content to put everything together? But it's, it's a passion, as you said. I just like it. And it's very important to find someone that can sustain that with you. Yes, that's true. So thank you so much, Victor, for being on the podcast and giving us some really good insights into what's happened over the last few years, as well as things moving forward. Yeah, thank you. Anytime you need, you can call me and have a good conversation. Uh, hopefully, the next time we can have a beer with us, uh, that will keep the topics going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do. For more information, including how to become a member, visit our website where you can sign up at any time. Links can be found in the show notes. See you next time for some more paddock chat. 
Local knowledge from a paddock near you.